Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to another edition of Disciple Making. Darren Wright is with me, Tim Beadle. And Darren started last uh, episode by talking about some nuggets of truth that he's been uh, mulling over as we uh, start digging down into some of the principles in Damien Girk's book, In the Way. Last week, uh, we spoke about the, the, the need to surrender, to trade up rather than giving up in terms of becoming who God has called us to become. Uh, what 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 what's the next nugget that we're going to dig into today, Darren? Okay, yeah, we're still kind of not quite jumping yeah, know, deeply into the book. Yet. We're kind of we're kind of working around the edges, getting there. And so here's a nugget, and this is one I picked up as well from Damien that has has led me to a lot of reflection about what I'm doing now, and especially evaluating how I have led in the past. Mm. And this this basic idea that uh, kind of two parts here. Disciple making is simply equipping and releasing people. That's that's really at its core. It's equipping people, releasing people, equipping and releasing. But here's the bigger idea. Disciple making is Christian leadership. Christian leadership is disciple making. They are inseparable. What's your gut reaction to that, Tim? Does that ring true or how, how does it sit with well, you? Well, as you mentioned those two, uh, it also it almost seems like they're two sides of the same coin. Hmm. Christian leadership and uh, disciple making, but I've, to be honest with you, I've never heard anyone say that in all in all in all my you know sort of forty years of Christian leadership. Professional uh, leadership is more by just leading people forward, you're having influence over them yeah. uh, generally, and 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 there is some truth in that as, as well. But it's never been linked to this hmm. equipping and releasing. Yeah, anything leadership is draw and keep and hold. And that's why Christian leaders, uh, basically, if you go to any sort of a Christian conference in the past, uh, how many people do you have? How many people do you have? <laughs> uh, and these are the leaders talking. They, they never say, how many people have you equipped and released in the last year? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and this, is the, this is the tension that, that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And, you know, if we talk about leading like Jesus, you know, and there's been books written about and then everything else, but how can you talk about leading like Jesus without talking about his disciples, making disciples and equipping them and releasing them? That's that's how Jesus led. Yeah. And so to me, that's a big that's a big vote for a big yes that Christian leadership equals disciple making. Disciple making equals Christian leadership. So so here here is the uh, million dollar question: uh, If you've never uh, been trained how to become a disciple maker and find yourself as a leader. How do you dismantle your leadership mindset and ethic uh, to align us, as you just said? And then last week, we talked about surrender. This might be one of the biggest uh, things that leaders would have to surrender uh, and die to self to actually become more alive in Christ and align themselves with, with Jesus' teaching to uh, make fishers of men and uh, to learn to follow him and imitate him as well. Well, I don't know if you're asking for me to to unpack a 32 year of model leadership experience, you know, about, about, you know, becoming a pastor, you know, really I went to Bible school to learn to share my faith. I became a pastor because I have a heart for evangelism. I thought that would be an avenue. And it was, there were some barriers, but it really was. Um, 
but it took a while for the lights to go on. See, it's not just about getting people across the line. Yeah. It's about equipping them to be followers to equip, equip others. And that's been, Tim, that's been a multi-decade process for yeah. me. And if I was to honestly look at my years as a vocational pastor in a, in a legacy kind of church, man, oh man, you know, I, I don't know what kind of grade I could give myself for that. I, I could give myself some good grades for, you know, general pastoral stuff yeah. and some preaching and things, reached a few people. But as far as multiplying, the numbers are few. Well, I, I've said this before. When I was diagnosed with um, cancer, sort of terminal cancer six years ago, uh, and I had the sort of the legacy discussion with the Lord, Lord, uh, I want my life to count for something. Can, can, can you uh, tell me what that is? And he said, well, Beetle, just read, read the Gospels and see what Jesus did. And, and, I, and I used the word picture because the Lord gave me this word picture hmm. that my life was like a, a telephone pole. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, multiplication, like a, a telephone pole will never multiply. Hmm. Uh, it, it, it isn't designed to multiply. Now it's connected to other poles, but 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 there's no sense. It's not like a family tree where where you have the the main trunk and then branches and then and then other branches and other branches. And and I had to admit and and uh, sort of I shared this in some uh, Tim Talks disciple making hmm. uh, YouTube videos I did years ago that my life looked like a telephone pole. And you know what, Darren? As soon as I said that. Leaders everywhere said, you know what, that, that, that's describing my spiritual leadership experience as well. Oh. We're sort of well positioned, we're connected to others, but our lives are not resulting in multiplication. Hmm. Yeah, and that's, it's hard. Like, it's hard to shift gears because I know for you and for those other leaders, for myself, it's not like we weren't working hard. No, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like we weren't busting our backsides trying to do quote the work of the church or God's work or whatever you want to call it. And yet the, the true fruit yeah. that we're really called at the core wasn't there. No. And I think part of, part of the challenge was that we, we misunderstood our role. Hmm. Um, like, like, you know, in, in the church, I mean, now I'm, I'm just trying to convince the staff, you got to invest your life in others. Just, just, you know, they're volunteers. Uh, and they said, well, it takes a lot of time to get volunteers. They said, yeah, but when they're trained properly and they're doing the work of the ministry, you'll step back and say, why was I so short-sighted in doing mm. everything? It's like it's like a parent continually tying the shoes of their one and two and three and four-year-old. And like the kid can do it if you just take some time and train them how to do it. And then you're free and then they can do it and train others to do it as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, what's interesting, Tim, is as you say that, yeah, application takes time, equipping takes time. And one of the shifts that's taken place in my life these last couple of years, moving more into an active disciple making role versus a standard pastor role is that the things that used to seem like interruptions to me are now my core tasks. Yeah, Spending right. unrushed time with people, okay, responding to the knock at the door. We had a beautiful thing happen here just the other day where a fellow we've been praying for for years. Didn't know his name. He walks by in the street. We prayed for him when we lived here several years ago. Prayed for him a couple of years ago when we moved here. Still prayed for him. First of all, a couple of months ago, he walked across the street as I was talking to another neighbor and just talked. He did that twice. And then two weeks ago, I'm on my deck having a coffee. He's walking down the street, walks across the street, parks himself under the deck, and we have a 20-minute conversation. Oh, wow. That ended with, let's plan to go for, for breakfast next week, which we've now Great. done. Great. And... 
that would have been as stupid as it sounds, Tim, that would have been an inconvenient interruption for me in the past. Yeah. Because I'm reading something and planning something and preparing something. But that is the core of, of what it means now for a task person that there's something that has to break to go relational uh, and recognize that's the core. And Jesus spent unrushed time with his disciples. Yeah. Well, I think you know, how, how many days was it after Lazarus had died before he sort of got to the grave? Yeah. Like, like why did it take you so long? You know, his, his sister said, well, mm. It's always to the Father's glory. And I think we have to realize it's not about leadership isn't about our glory. It's about uh, the Lord's, you know, renown and and uh, mirroring and magnifying the Lord. And, and when it comes to the task of equipping, because you, you said, you know, equipping, releasing, equipping, releasing. You know, I think of Ephesians 4, to equip God's people for works of service. Yep. Uh, we don't spend enough time really understanding the depth of what equipping was all about. Oh, yeah. Well, and Tim, uh, we we talked at once before one of our calls here how if you read scripture from a a legacy church standpoint versus a disciple making standpoint, things kind of come off as different. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the passages Tim that has looked very different for me now in recent years. Here's how. Ephesians chapter 4 where leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, yeah. pastor, teachers are to equip the saints for works of service to build the body. When you read that and hear that and even teach or preach on it in a legacy church context, our minds immediately go to equipping people to do ministries in the church. That's right. Yep. You know, we're, we're talking about ushers, we're talking about greeters, we're talking about Sunday school teachers and this and that and the other thing. And that's that's the sphere of what we're thinking when we think about equipping. Yeah. But as soon as you step back and say, this is in the context of a disciple-making movement that yeah. Jesus started. And so these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are equipping the saints for works of service. Yeah. Exactly. To build up the body means making disciples. Exactly. It means multiplying the life of Christ out. It means, it means um, you know, moving together down the path towards maturity. It's not internal. It's, it, you know, it's not just about us for no more. And so that passage, when he talked about equipping back to Jesus, what did he do? He equipped and released yeah. Release. And that's implied in the passage, but sometimes we just take it to the equip and hold. And, and and when it talks about to build the body, unfortunately, we equip and equate building the body with a church building. And we're going to get into this mm. in the weeks to come. But if I get a little ahead of ourselves, uh, you know, D Damien said this in his book. He said individual believers, they become inoculated against the call to go and make disciples. He says they get just a, enough of a shot of faith and the experience of being with a community of believers that they don't have to step out any further in faith or hear the voice of God. They, wow. they, they settle for something less than what God is actually calling us to and what Jesus modeled for us as well. Oh, man. You know, there's been a picture I've been mauling on, Tim, lately that I may do a a, a video on shortly. It's a story. I, I think even Soren Kierkegaard tells the story of a goose that one day landed in a barnyard and started feeding with the chickens and found out life was pretty good. You know, it was safe. He got lots of food and everything else. And he, you know, got there in the summer and got fat and felt good. You know, and then in the fall, the geese started flying south yeah. for the winter. And these flocks are coming over and the geese are honking. And he's, you know, he realizes I'm not a chicken, I'm a goose. And his, his heart stirs and, and he decides, yeah. And he starts to take off. And he says, no. I'm going to stay here. And that picture for me, Tim, I think is a picture of a lot of believers who have the veil pulled back 
to what the Christian life is really about. It's a life of dependence on Jesus, joining him on mission, being disciples who make disciples. Not easy. You know, it, it challenges a lot. It calls for this constant surrender. And we pull back to doing the standard Christian attending church life and never, you know, to use the metaphor, take to the skies as we were intended to do. And that, that picture has actually been haunting me for several weeks this summer. Well, you're describing status quo in many churches. And the unfortunate thing is, is that uh, the, the few believers who actually see that picture and decide to soar and take off, uh, they're hesitant to return to their experience of church because they've seen a bigger picture. They, they've sort of, as it were, seen, seen over the next hill, the, over the next mountain, to a bigger horizon yet to be experienced and so on. And they never want to come back. And I think some people through COVID, uh, for whatever reason, they're, they don't have any real angst to come back to what was there because, although they don't realize it, uh, it wasn't really fulfilling who God has called them to be. And so they don't want to fit back into the box, as it were. Well, and you're right. Fulfillment comes, Tim, in the Christian life. I'm speaking from experience here from taking a risk and following Jesus. Fulfillment never comes from, you know, running around the hamster wheel or just going through the motions. That's, you know, that's that's deadening and and ultimately boring. And yes, it's comfortable and it's safe, but fulfillment comes from following Jesus. And, you know, and Jesus calls us to, I think, you know, adventure. Uh, yep. And Jesus calls us to, you know, to take up the cross and follow him, which which can be seen as a negative thing. But there's there's a sense of we're all in, like yeah. we're holding nothing back. And again, back to that surrender issue, that's where the adventure of the Christian life is. And maybe we haven't in our on our legacy churches, churches we know it, been calling people to that kind of surrender, to that kind of adventure. Yeah, and I think you know, with with a lot of church leaders in these days considering, you know, with sort of coming out of COVID, how we're going to sort of rebuild ministry and get back to whatever normality looks like. Uh, There was someone who once said, the experienced sailor uh, didn't come to that place by learning how to build a boat, right? It was more that they were just overtaken with the love of being out on the sea, Hmm. of, of the journey, of the experience, and I know, uh, you know, the organizational and the organic have to be part and parcel, just like the two sides of the coin we spoke over. There needs to be structure, but structure was never meant to strangle or stifle the life-giving, you know, sort of organic life of becoming alive, being a new creation in Christ that we are called to become. And um, we have to be willing to be freed and have flexibility in our structures to allow life to occur rather than strangle it. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's something that, you know, what you're saying there about the, uh, about the sea and stuff. Another story came to mind of, of two Kansas farm boys who became sailors. You know, they left the farm and they left it. And, and, and one day, you know, they're, they're gone and doing their thing, sailing the seas. And, uh, this farmer and his wife have some company over and they're talking about like, we, we don't understand how is it that these two are two farm boys, these drylanders, you know, they're now sailing yeah. the ocean and, and the guys, that's really interesting how, how that would be. And he said, well, can I see their room? And he goes up to the room where they had, and they had the two beds and he kind of went over to their beds and kind of sat in the bed and looked at the wall and up on the wall, was this big, beautiful picture 
of a sailing ship on the high seas, you know, rolling in the waves and the wind and the sails. And he said, imagine looking at that every morning and every night yeah. for all your growing up years. That's enough to turn someone into a sailor. And to me, it goes back to something you said either on this call or another one, Tim, where having the vision yeah. for what we're called to be and do and, and reflecting on that, whether it's eternity, whether it's the joy of seeing someone begin to follow Jesus and bring others to follow Jesus through them, you know, having that vision, having that picture, I think that's what pulls us forward. And then you have to remember, you know, the last words that Jesus said, and usually when people say last words, they're there for a reason. You know, you're going to go on holiday and you say to your kids, I remember to lock the door before you go out or take the garbage out. Uh, but, but Jesus looked into the eyes of his somewhat bewildered disciples. And he says, you know, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of that, go into all the world and make disciples. Yeah, and that, was, that was his command. And, you know, the, the whole baptizing them in the name of the Father and teaching them. Uh, you know, command, commanding them to uh, teach them everything that they would obey, like this obedience. We've talked about that. Yeah. And, and the, the beautiful reality is you said, I'm going to be in the boat with you. He said, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> said I'm going to be with you till the end of the age. So so that's the lingering sort of picture, the, the vision that is plastered on church walls, bulletins mm. everywhere. But we've become somewhat, well, inoculated as as. As uh, Damien said, uh, we read past and we've lost the thrill of the experience of being out on the sea, as it were. Mm. Yeah, you know, back to our original thesis, Tim, that disciple making is Christian leadership. Christian leadership is discipling or making disciples. I think for us, if we want to put ourselves in the seat of being disciple makers, which we're called to be and do, then we need to be captivated by that vision. We need to be captivated by it not begrudge it, not see it as a low, but see it as this adventure, as this grand call forward, you know, to the high seas, to the sky with Jesus at our side. And if we can, if we can uh, live, live that passion out, I think it would be attractive to others to join with us in that. Yeah. I guess when you say Christian leaders, there's two words that we've wed together. Uh, so, so maybe one of the challenges we'll leave our, our, listeners with today, if we are not engaged and overwhelmed and captivated by Jesus' call to, to make disciples that makes disciples, we may be in a position of leadership, hmm. but are we really Christian leaders, Christ-like leaders, followers, imitators, learners of Jesus leaders? Hmm. Um, maybe we're good organizers and managers of, <laughs> of buildings and people for a good cause, but are we really Christian leaders uh, influencing others to take up their cross, surrender, and live a life uh, that is based on the example and image that Jesus left for us. Oh, that's that's a rich self-examination question, Tim, and and one I know I have and will wrestle with. And and I just want people to understand that we're still we're oh, yeah. still growing through this. We're still figuring out. We still have to take up our cross every day and follow Jesus, you know, and make that choice. And and. You know, we're, my, my path has been meandering over many years and decades, as I know yours has too. But leading like Jesus and striving to lead like Jesus, following him passionately is the great adventure. It and is. I hope that our, our passion for this, for this, this call to be disciples and make disciples is at least a little bit contagious, a little bit, yeah. a little bit appealing. And uh, we'll call people forward to that. Yeah, I think, 
at the end of a long day of ministry and leadership, and sometimes you're just doggone tired and just exhausted and spent. But you know, when you've spent your time invested in following Jesus in disciple making, you're still dog tired and spent and exhausted. Mm. But there's an inner joy, Darren. There's this inner joy and excitement because we've aligned our wills with the will of the one who called us to follow him. And uh, perhaps that's a picture and a challenge. Uh, what, what, what's in the middle of your exhaustion? Because we're all busy. We all do good work. But let's do the best work in these days by being committed to becoming Christian leaders, committed to making disciples who make disciples. Amen. Another excellent place to land. Some some pictures there today for us all to mull on and just to wrestle through what it means to lead like Jesus. I think to lead like Jesus, to be a Christian leader, is to be a disciple maker. So thanks for joining us in this uh, talk on disciple making. We're on the journey together with you and hope you can join us again on our next call as we seek to follow Jesus as he wants to be followed. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.